Good morning once again, everybody. Good to see you. My name's Alan, and thankful that you're here with us today. Did you know that God will never give up on you? Never, ever, ever, ever. That you might give up on God. You may have given up on God at some point earlier on. You can run. You can hide. You can think that God is ridiculous and those who follow God are ridiculous. You can think that the, the laws outlined in Scripture, the guidelines in terms of how to do life, are ridiculous. And you can uh, hurt yourself and others by breaking every single one of the laws outlined in Scripture that have become the foundation of the laws in our, our culture and our civilization. You can do all of that, and yet you can never run away from God. God will never give up on you. It is an amazing truth that God's arms will always be open for us to come running home. Always. Always. Whether you have never been to God's arms at his home or you have wandered and you are wondering if you can come back, God will never give up on you. That is a beautiful truth. But let me ask you, is there anybody in your life that you would never give up on? Is there anybody in your life that no matter what they said, no matter what they did, no matter how many times they said it, no matter what voice they used when they said it, that you would never give up on them? If there is such a person in your life, does that person or do those people know that you would never give up on them? Never, ever, ever, ever? We're going to talk about that today. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray with you. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that your arms are always open wide for us to come running to you, that we, we could come crawling back to you, and you will run to us and pick us up and embrace us in your arms. Thank you for that love. And God, in whatever way, as we look at our human relationships, our most important relationships, in whatever way that we have drifted towards wanting to give up on somebody, God, I pray that you would come and speak to us here today. Would you teach us from your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, today we are wrapping up our four-week series that we've been calling From This Day Forward, and we've been focusing on some significant relationship in your life, and that could be your marriage, that very well could be your marriage, and that flows with the from this day forward language, but it could be your, your kids or one, one kid in particular that maybe you're, there's some distance with. It could be your parents. It could be a sibling. It could be a friend. Just some way that it, there is a significant relationship in your life, and what we're doing is, is we're saying, is there something I can do because I can't control that person, but I can control myself. Is there something I can do, something I can change, some perspective I can have that's different from this day forward that is going to help this relationship, that is going to invest in this relationship? Now, this morning as we look into that, we are looking at a one verse from a book in the New Testament called Galatians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a church in a city called Galatia. If you have your Bible with you, or if you have access to a digital Bible, I invite you to turn to uh, the book of Galatians. We'll spend most of our time in chapter 6. 
in verse 9, this is the verse we're leaning on here today. Verse 9 will be up on the screen, but the other verses that I look at today won't. So you'll have one verse to look at. The rest you're just going to have to trust me on or uh, read it uh, for yourself. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul writes, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, in a few moments, I'm going to talk about how the fact that uh, Paul is talking about relationships here in this verse, but he, he ends it by saying, you know, don't give up. Don't give up. What, what causes us in our most significant relationships to get to the point of giving up? Now, I'm talking about our lifelong relationships. I'm not talking about your relationship with your eyebrow trimmer or your stockbroker or even somebody at work, you know, you kind of, you change jobs and, you know, I'm talking about, you, you know, we can change some relationships in our lives and we transition all that. I'm talking about lifelong relationships and tip, typically those are connected with family. I'm talking about the relationships that you are designed to be in for our whole lives. What causes us to get to the point where we're going to stop listening? We're going to stop calling. We're going to stop communicating well. We're going to stop having any hopes or thoughts that there would be joy in that relationship. What brings us to that place? And tragically, the, the worst part of that, you know, sometimes in, in marriage, that the person we love the most in the world becomes the person we hate the most in the world. And as a pastor, I've tragically seen that multiple times. And so what, what would cause a relationship to go, to go that far? What, what takes us uh, uh, to that much of, of a difference, to go from I will never give up to I give up? I'm confident in any of our lifelong relationships connected primarily with family that there was a time when you had hope that you would never give up. There was a time uh, at some point where you likely said, you, you know, we've had a bad day, we've had a fight, we've had a, an, an interaction that was difficult, we've had a bad season, but I'm confident we're going to get through this and we'll be fine. We're going to get through it. It's just difficult right now. I'm confident you had that hope at one point. So the question is, what takes us to this place of no longer having that hope that things are going to be great. They're, they're going to flourish. Not just that you're going to hold it on together, but that you're actually going to flourish. What takes us from, I'll never give up, to I'm considering giving up, or I'm ready to give up? Maybe it is exhaustion. It's just over time, oh, we feel like we're beating our head against a wall, and we just kind of say, you know what, I don't know how much of this I can take, and so we just, we're just done. Maybe it is rooted in some kind of desire to give up. Maybe you really want to and you're looking for some kind of excuse. And so something has popped up to say, okay, this is my pathway to, to get out of this, to no longer be uh, confined by this relationship. Or maybe as you look at that relationship, your hope has dropped to the point where you just don't think God can do anything about it. There's just no more room. God is not, God's powerful, but God's not powerful enough to restore that relationship to glory. God's not powerful enough to, to make that relationship uh, into something fantastic and beautiful. Now, on that third one, that's a tricky one because, you know, God is God. God is the one who 
who created everything. He carved the mountains. He made that little slice in the land that we call the Grand Canyon. He filled the, the oceans with water and then sprinkled just a little bit of salt on them. Actually, quite a bit of salt on them. And, and these are the oceans that have just exactly the right balance and blend of salt. You know, when we think that God is not powerful enough to restore your relationship with someone that you want to have restored, man, it's like saying to Yoda, I can't lift that rock with my mind. It's impossible. It's even more ridiculous than saying that to Yoda. I'm just trying to connect here. I mean, this is, this is a, 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 a reality here. How do we make that, that move? How do we make that shift to go from, I'll never give up, to give up? If there is a relationship in your life, a significant, lifelong relationship that you have either given up on or that you are moving towards giving up or considering giving up on, how did you get there? How did you get there? Because I know you didn't want to be there. Why? Why are you there? Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Last week, last Sunday, if you were here for part three of this journey, I talked about joy. I talked about enjoying the journey. I looked at a verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 6 near the end of that letter, a different letter that Paul wrote. Near the end of that letter, Paul writes, Always rejoice. And then if you remember, what I did is I stepped back in 1 Thessalonians to say, okay, what's the context of Paul's... Do you remember this last week? The, the, the four of you who were here? The, the, <laughs> I stepped back. What's the context of this to find out why is Paul saying this? And so I went into 1 Thessalonians. You don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll, do, I'll, take a, I'll remind you of this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul writes... You, people of Thessalonica, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying, you're doing well. I've heard reports of you. Your, things are going well there, people of Thessalonica. Good job. So as a result, in chapter 6, he says, always rejoice. Keep up the faith. Keep going. You're doing well. So, I like to learn. When, when I thought that went well last week, and so I thought... Now that I'm looking at the book of Galatians, why don't I do the same thing? I'm looking at a verse near the end of the book of Galatians. Why don't we step back and see what the general context for this book is? Does that make sense? Yeah, of course that makes sense. So I looked at chapter 1, verse 6 last week. Well, maybe there's a pattern here. Why don't I look at chapter 1, verse 6 in the book of Galatians? Are you with me? Are you excited as I am? Okay, cool. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, as a, as a part of the start of that letter, Paul says, I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Interjection, mine. I mean, the, 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 but, the, but, uh, but you can tell a very different tone here in this letter. Paul is addressing a different group of people. There's something different happening here. If you jump to chapter 3 at the beginning of that chapter, Paul says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? So Paul is just, it's just a very different scene happening. Let me just either remind you or tell you what the scene is 
for Paul's letter to the Galatians. Paul has been there and he's told them about Jesus and essentially said that the story of humanity is all about Jesus. And if we just embrace Jesus as Lord, then we will spend eternity with God. It is all about Jesus and Jesus alone. And what has happened with the people in Galatia is they have, after Paul left, they started to believe some of the lies from some Jewish Christians who came in and said, no, 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 it's, it's eventually all about Jesus, but you have to go through some steps in order to get there. You have to become Jewish. You have to obey the law. You have to be circumcised. Ouch. You have to go through these steps, and then, only then, can you become a Christian. You have to go through all of these steps. And Paul finds out about it, and he's He's furious. I mean, he's just, that's why he says, you foolish Galatians. No, no, no. Don't add to the gospel. Don't add to what is needed by, by something beyond Jesus. He says in, in chapter 5, verse 6, very clearly, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So he says, just don't believe all that other stuff. And Paul gets so upset with the people who are coming and telling the Galatians they need something more than Jesus that he says in verse 12, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. That's biblical trash talk right there. <laughs> hmm, that is, that is big time right there. He says, not just circumcision. Well, you get the point. So, so Paul is really getting after this. This is the context of the book of Galatians, very different than last week, that leads Paul to say in chapter 6, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What Paul is saying here in this letter is you don't have to prove yourself, folks. You, you don't have to prove yourself worthy of calling yourself a Christian. This is good news that, that is still very applicable for us today. You don't have to get everything figured out. You don't have to follow the law. You don't have to fix everything in your life before you can be embraced as a part of the Christian community. You don't have to get it figured out and then become a Christian Paul says, what happens is you come in and you say, I believe Jesus is Lord. I will follow Jesus the rest of my life, and I will spend the rest of my life trying to figure out how to live well. That's what any person who is a Christian is essentially doing. They're saying, I've embraced Jesus and all my yuck that goes into that, and for the rest of my life, I'm going to figure out what it means to follow Jesus and do good. Do not become weary in doing good. So Paul said, you don't, you don't earn your salvation from this stuff. What you do is you embrace Jesus and then don't become weary for the rest of your journey in your relationships, etc. Don't give up. Don't give up on those relationships. As I said, Paul is talking about relationships in this verse here. This is verse 9 of chapter 6. And in the verses prior to this, Paul is repeatedly referring to relationships. Go back to chapter 6, verse 1. Essentially, Paul is saying here, when people screw up, 
and they will, those who are closest to us, and they're going to hurt us. The people who are closest to us have the most access to us, and so they're the ones most likely to hurt us in, in the deepest ways. When people screw up, Paul says, restore them gently. Don't take advantage of this opportunity to, to run away from the relationship or point fingers. We restore them gently. Similarly, in verse 2, he says, carry each other's burdens. Okay, this is when somebody has a heavy load, and we come up and say, hey, let, let me help you with that. Let me help you with that. Instead of, hey, that's, that's not my burden. I'm, I'm going to play golf. You figure that out. Let me know when you're done. Carry each other's burdens. In verse 3, essentially, he says, be humble. You can take a look at it there in front of you if you like. Be humble. Once we start going down that path of thinking, I'm better than you. I'm more spiritual than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm more experienced than you. Uh, uh, once we start thinking of ourselves as being better than the other person, then we slip into thinking, I don't want to be bothered by you. Because that's what the British think. Because I... I I, I, I think, I, I don't know a lot about the Brits, but I think they struggle with this more than others because if you have an accent like that, how could you not think you're just a little bit better than other people? That's just a question. It's just a kind of a life question for me. But the idea, whether you're British or not, the idea is, is, is bring humility to those relationships. And then in verse 4, he says, it's just, it's, so, it's just flowing from all the other verses. Says, now don't compare yourself with one another. It's not about who's worse or who's better. Don't compare yourself with another. You're in this together. So can we walk on and on and on? These verses are talking about relationships. And then, and then um, uh, Paul moves towards uh, verse 9 here, where once again he says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He's talking about relationships. He's talking about uh, relating to other people. He's talking about how we connect with other people, etc. May we not give up. May we not give up. You may have noticed, if you're up in the skyboxes or if you're in the front, that I have a, a little garden here on stage. You see my little garden? You may have smelled it uh, on the way in. This, uh, now, now, a question, though, is, is it really a garden? I mean, what's the difference between a prepared area for the early stages of gardening and a pile of dirt. What's essentially the difference between the two things? I mean, uh, dirt is this, this biological phenomenon that has the essential nutrients in it in order for growth to happen. It's this amazing uh, stuff that is needed for most things to grow. And dirt is also dirty. You ever thought of that? It's also dirty. I mean, dirt is the thing we wipe off of ourselves when we want to go inside the house. Dirt is, yeah, we want to get it, we wash it off, we clean it off, we get rid of it. Don't bring that filth in here. And so dirt is this, this, this yucky stuff over there, but it's also this stuff that is needed for growth. Now, the Bible talks a lot about dirt. The Bible talks a lot about farming. talks a lot about agriculture. 
It does that because at that time, that's what the world was. That's what the, the listeners were involved with. So any story having to do with farming and agriculture connected with them very easily. And uh, Jesus told many stories, many parables connecting with growth and seeds, etc. And so he did that because they understood farming and agriculture. Some of you understand farming. Maybe you had a background or some of your family had a background in farming. Some of you understand gardening. Probably more of you are connected with that. Or maybe you used to before you moved to Phoenix and you can't really do that so, so well anymore. But, but there's some, some of that stuff. I, for me, I'm not a, I'm not a a dirt person at all. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not good at that. I'm more of an astroturf kind of guy. I have fake grass in the front, fake grass in the back. Done. Done. I don't have a green thumb. Uh, I have a. Well, it's green, but it's plastic green. Uh, and so that's about as far as as I go. And so whatever your balance of your understanding of dirt and gardening and, and farming, etc., Paul says, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, we understand metaphorically what this means, reaping a harvest. But for those whose lifestyle is farming, reaping a harvest is everything. I mean, that's everything. That's what your entire existence, your whole year, is about getting to the point where you can reap the harvest because that's how you can provide for your family. That's how you can live, etc. Reaping a harvest is a very big deal. And farming is a very difficult job, moving towards this idea of reaping a harvest. Farming is very difficult because you are at the mercy of nature all year. You are at the mercy of the seeds and the soil and the sun and the water doing all that they need to do biologically in order for you to grow things, etc. Farming is hard because you need trust. You need for months, perhaps, uh, weeks, months, whatever. I don't know how long the period uh, is because I'm not much of a farmer. But, but for a long period of time, you need to stare at a pile of dirt and trust that something significant is happening underneath there. You, you, you just stare at it and you think, well, I'll keep watering it, but I don't know what's happening underneath the soil. You have to trust. You can't peek. You can't peek. And so you just have to just trust that everything's going well there. Farming is difficult because you also need patience. You, you, you have to just keep watering every day. You have to keep tilling, I guess. I don't know. You have to keep working on it to, 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 to help make it grow. And you have to have patience. You can't say, I do know this about farming. You can't skip your job for two months and then come back and say, I'm going to give it extra water and extra sun using mirrors to make up for the time that I missed out on. Farming requires faithfulness. And you stick with it and you, you, you stay with it uh, in this journey. Farming is a difficult job. Sometimes we look at our relationships. Again, Paul's talking about relationships here. Sometimes we look at our most significant relationships and that person looks like a pile of dirt. And it's frustrating. And you just kind of think, you're just a pile of dirt. And it can be so aggravating uh, uh, in that process, that, that they're not a big tree that just needs a little 
uh, pruning. It's not a beautiful tree that, oh, got a little branch there that needs trimming. Oh, got to tweak this a little bit. No, sometimes the person you're stuck with is just just a pile of dirt, and they're not a a bush that is maybe doesn't have any fruit right now, but you know the fruit's going to come in the next season, and you're okay with that, so you wait. Nor is it a little two-inch sprout coming up out of the ground that you can at least see something. So you go, come on, you can do it. And, uh, but, but for you, sometimes that's, that person is it's just a pile of dirt. And that can be frustrating. Just like with farming, it's hard and it takes trust. And you gotta, you gotta look at this relationship and say, well, I can't, I can't really see anything happening right now. But I'm going to trust that God is at work in you. I'm going to trust that you're making efforts, and I'm going to continue to pray for you, and I'm going to continue to respond well to you and love you. Sometimes the person you're in a significant relationship with, it looks like a pile of dirt, but it also requires patience. You, you, can't, you can't just fix it right now. Even if you had the most focused three hours of your life, with a counselor, with a, with a great book, whatever. Just, you, you can't fix years of hurt and pain. That it requires patience. And so we keep watering. We just keep watering and we trust. Something's happening underneath there and we water. And we keep listening well. And we keep communicating well and loving well and hoping for enjoyable moments, etc. And we, we, and we keep pouring trust in there. And we, and we have to decide, is this... Is this significant person in my life? Is this someone that I'm going to? Um, is, I, is this someone I'm going to continue to trust and give patience toward? Am I going to not become weary? Am I going to not give up? Because here, here's the good news. Here, this is so far. It's kind of been well. This is a you know big heavy pile of dirt here this morning. Let me just tell you. Here's the good news. Here's the good news about any piles of dirt there may be in your life, or the fact that you might be a pile of dirt. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest. You've you got to hear that in this. There's a promise in here. This, this isn't maybe. Maybe if you do everything right, some people will benefit from this. Maybe some who are lucky. Maybe those other folks or whatever. This is a promise from God saying, saying, Paul, God speaks through Paul and says, if we are not weary, if we do not give up, we will reap a harvest. We will reap a harvest in our most difficult relationships, our our long-term family relationships. We will reap a harvest. In the chapter just prior to this, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul famously talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And again, this is an agricultural reference. And they would have fully understood this and embraced this idea. And, And the idea here is that if we do not grow weary, if we do not give up, we will experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. We will experience the harvest, the fruit of the Spirit in our relationships, and that's what we want. That's absolutely what every one of us desires, is that that fruit would grow out of that pile of dirt. 
And so there's a promise there. And, and it's very possible for you to just say, Alan, I don't believe that. I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure I believe Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. I think it's possible for you to say that because of your story and your history and the efforts that you've already made in this area of your life. But I'm confident you believe in the reverse. That if you do not water the garden, if you do not invest, if you stop listening and stop communicating well, etc., you will not reap a harvest. I'm sure you believe in the flip side of it. If you just walk away, if you give up on it, it will not on its own just naturally grow into this beautiful fruit of a relationship. And so can we embrace the truth of this scripture that says, when, if we don't give up, they don't give up, you don't give up, you do whatever you can on your end. We don't give up. We don't grow weary. We will reap a harvest. There's good news there. There's good news there. What I want to do is, I have something else I want to talk to you about uh, um, just before you leave, but, but I'm, I'm done with the, with the dirt and the, and the Galatians 6-9 piece. So what I want to do is I want, to, I want to pray about that now. I want to pray with you about that, and then before I dismiss, talk about one other thing. Okay, would you bow your heads with me? God, I celebrate relationships here in this room, relationships represented here in this room that are flourishing, that, that have much fruit, that are, are not piles of dirt. And I celebrate bushes and trees that are, that, are, that are full of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, that are just representing you. And I thank you for that. I thank you for the marriages here and the relationships with kids and parents, etc. I thank you for that, God. I thank you for relationships that are moving in that direction. And Father, I pray for any person here in this room who just, who just connects with the idea of a pile of dirt, that there's someone in their life, someone in their family, some relationship that they want to flourish, but it just feels like a pile of dirt. God, I pray that you would give supernatural trust and supernatural patience, that they would not grow weary, they would not give up, and that they would reap the harvest. I pray in the name of Jesus, amen.